Welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, Reiki practitioner, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. Remember my disclaimer, the information in this podcast is general health and nutrition advice and is not a replacement for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, submit it on the podcast page at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join our Facebook group, Wellness Wellness Podcast Tribe. Can you believe that we are getting to the end of November? I I cannot get over it. I'm moving this weekend, just a couple streets over, but still... Still lots of things to do with that. If you want to learn more about that, check out my blog post about why I'm moving. I'm going to move this weekend and the next week's Thanksgiving week, which is always a party. I have my friend Kelly, Kelly Scott from Kelly's Clean Kitchen. You guys know Kelly's going to come visit me for a bit. And then all of the Thanksgiving festivities. My family's coming in town this weekend. It's going to be so busy. And then December will hit and all of the craziness of December and Christmas and holiday shopping will be upon us. And if you are looking for gifts, Black Friday sales will will be amazing. So definitely keep an eye out for those. You can definitely count on some awesome beauty counter promos going on. So if you're interested in getting some holiday sets, which you know that's basically what I do for my holiday shopping every year, is just get beauty counter holiday sets just to help switch people over to non-toxic skincare and makeup and also just get them some products they will love. Be on the lookout. Beautycounter.com slash Christina Rice. And also, I'm not sure if they'll be up by when this comes out. Maybe they will. Not sure because I'm recording ahead of time. But holiday gift guides will be up on my website at some point in the future if they're not already. And all of my favorite brands are having Black Friday sales. So get ready for that. Nowadays, you can just, you know, sit sit in your room in your pajamas and do all your Black Friday shopping. We do not have to line up at 3 a.m. outside Target anymore. I mean, you can if you want, but you don't really have to. But backing up, we need to focus on what's most relevant. Before that is going to be Thanksgiving itself. So if you don't already know what you're cooking, I have some resources for you. Thanksgiving is a holiday. That can get a little crazy and overwhelming and when it comes to the food and the nutrition. It is totally possible to have a healthy and balanced and fabulous Thanksgiving where you enjoy all of your food, but you are not completely wrecking your body so you feel like you can't move for the next 20 days, you know? If you are looking for some delicious, healthy, but you won't know it recipes, definitely head to my website. You know I have a ton of healthy paleo recipes on there. Just off the top of my head, some of my favorite for this time of year are my cauliflower mac and cheese. I love to make that on Thanksgiving and or Christmas, as well as my sweet potato casserole, eggplant lasagna, zingy cauliflower, Pumpkin cookies, pumpkin spice cake with, quote, cream cheese frosting. 
pumpkin fudge, sugar-free pumpkin bars, and then all of the recipes in the membership portion of my site. If you're a member, I just posted a delicious butternut squash soup recipe. Mm. And then, of course, my holiday ebook, Gratitude, a healthy holiday guide for a paleo Thanksgiving, which has a ton of different holiday recipes, cauliflower stuffing, green bean casserole, the perfect roasted turkey, pumpkin dip, deviled eggs, pumpkin nog, the easiest vegan pumpkin pie in the world, pecan pie bars, as well as a whole section at the beginning that walks you through all of the lifestyle factors that you should take into consideration to have a really healthy holiday season. This ebook is great for Thanksgiving and Christmas, honestly, between all of the holiday recipes and just the holiday information, including how to keep your digestion on track, movement and exercise, dealing with stressful family situations. There's a lot of really helpful written content. So definitely check that out. You can go to bit.ly slash gratitude HHG to get that ebook. It's also linked on my website. And you can use the code wellnessrealness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S-R-E-A-L-N-E-S-S for 20% off. Another great resource for recipes is today's guest, Neely Fisher. Neely is the founder of The Flexible Chef. You can find all of her content at theflexiblechef.com and on Instagram at theflexiblechef. And she is the author of the book, Food You Want for the Life You Crave. Neely is a mother of four. She's a home chef, a yoga teacher, a world traveler, and a wellness entrepreneur. And her mission is to help people live their healthiest lives and find that healthy yet flexible approach to cooking and eating. Her book has over 100 fresh, gluten-free, and flexible recipes that save time in the kitchen and get rid of any meal prep stress. She has a really adaptable cooking system that gives people simple recipes that taste amazing. In this episode, Neely will share some of her best cooking and wellness tips, but she also shares a bit about her story. She spent two decades teaching in the health and wellness space as a fitness, yoga instructor, and health coach. She has traveled all over the world, but she didn't always live a flexible lifestyle, as she calls it now. She started dieting when she was 11 and struggled with that relationship with food for a while until she eventually found yoga. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear more about Neely's story and all of her best tips, which I think are especially useful at this time of year. So without further ado, let's go ahead and hop into this chat with Neely Fisher. Hey everyone, my name is Neely Fisher. Some people like to refer to me as the flexible chef. And I just wrote a best-selling cookbook that's been a really fun, exciting project. And I'm excited to chat with you about everything healthy and awesome today. Well, I'm very excited to chat with you too. And I have so many questions for you. You have such an interesting life. You're like a world traveler, the flexible chef. I'm curious what got you started with cooking to begin with? Yeah, so cooking, I I think cooking as a, I guess you could call it a career, came a little bit later, although I was always a kid that cooked 
with my mom and food was always a passion, specifically making her delicious food healthier. But, you know, career-wise, I started more in the fitness and yoga arena. I was a teacher for many, many years um, and, you know, later started integrating food into things like events that I was running, programs and workshops that I created. And food was always this really interesting epicenter that got people social, that got them interested. It was this bridge that um, was a missing piece in uh, in, in the fitness world at the time, which was many years ago. Um, and so the food just kind of evolved. So you, you're in New York right now. Where did you grow up? Um, that's also an interesting question. <laughs> um, I grew up in New Jersey slash a little bit in Israel later on. Um, we've spent the last 15 years living in Asia um, so I kind of split my time between a lot of places right now. Wait, so how come you were part-time in Israel? Um, well, Israel wasn't part-time. We sort of lived there for a little bit when I was growing up. Um, and we sort of, we, we sort of dabble there for, you know, personal reasons, social reasons. Um, we have a lot of family there. So yeah, it's just sort of, it's the heart, it's the heart part of our life. Okay, so, and then you were in Asia for 15 years. What brought you there? Must have my husband runs a business in Hong Kong. We're still sort of there. Oh. Um, I sort of, I, I travel a lot. So, um, you know, I've got like the same pair of jeans in three different continents and different <laughs> places. <laughs> so it makes, it makes for a little complicated, but certainly not boring life. Well, what what has that been like? Like, is that confusing for you to always be switching time zones? So it's it's an interesting question right now because for and especially for those of you listening who like know what travel means and the kind of the combination of it being both like fascinating, interesting, but also sometimes stressful and like detail oriented and hectic. And so it's funny because up until I would say five seconds ago, it's just been exciting, sexy, fun. You know, I, I, I don't like the same thing all the time, right? Humans were, were conditioned to kind of seek out elements of adventure and some uncertainty. And that's what makes life interesting. But I'm sort of at a place now where you really caught me because I'm, things are getting complicated and, and it's always a really good time when you feel a level of stress, I would say, um, to say, okay, whew, life is complicated. And what, what, how do I take a step back and simplify? So I don't know what that means. Check back with me in a couple months. Um, but it's certainly, there's certainly a lot of pieces everywhere right now. Um, it, 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 um, it requires a great deal of organization, right? Like, you know, I was joking about the pair of pants, but really like having an inventory about where things are and being like hyper organized with calendars and with world clocks, knowing what time zones and you know, most of my work is in the US, right? Like figuring out how to schedule calls like this and where am I going to be in the world? So it does require like a really good sense of organization and planning in advance, which is great, great skills to apply you know, to other parts of your life. Um, so yeah, we're, I'm, I'm like refiguring things out as we speak. Well, I mean, life, you know, always have to keep refiguring things out, I think. But what about, mm -hmm. I mean, you have how many kids? 
I have four kids. You have four kids. So how do you balance that with the kids? Like, do they come with you or? Sometimes. Like my younger one sometimes travels with me, but mostly not. My oldest son's going to college in California. Um, You know, we, we kind of work around different school schedules and things like that. So, yeah, I think it, I think it, I think it raises kind of grounded, flexible kids because they, they sort of have to, they also have to kind of navigate the crazy and find a ground that's stable, you know? Yeah. So I mean, if the ground, I mean, so if the ground is not stable underneath you, as far as like, I live in New York and that's where I always live and da, 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 you have to create stability somewhere else, which has been really interesting. So what do you mean by that? Well, you know, I think that um, having really, really solid communication and relationship between all of our family members, right? Like that, that stability and that, so like when I go away, my kids know that I'm still, I'm still running their life. Like I was just on Skype about like signing my daughter up for basketball. Like, you know, someone on the ground could do that, but she knows mom's going to sign her up for basketball. Like, you know, kind of knowing that they can rely on me Mm -hmm. and being, and, and really kind of investing in, um, relationship. Maybe it's just one example, but yeah. Um, cause you don't, you, you can't take it for granted, right. Especially when you're traveling, um, you've got to do things that keep, that keep the connection. Yeah. Well, I mean, what other tips do you have for that? Because I'm sure there are plenty of people listening who have to travel a lot for work and struggle Mm -hmm. with like maintaining those relationships at home. Yeah. Look, it is not simple. It's really not. Um, uh, a couple things. I, and my kids are listening. They'll be like, but mom, sometimes you don't, but I make it a a very strong habit to speak every day, not just like send a quick text message like, hey, but we speak every day lately. We've been like video, um, video conferencing every day. Um, Even if it's just like, hey, you know, sometimes we'll be just be doing something and I'll keep them in the background. And so really having that daily communication being part of their lives. I keep going back to organization because I just think that's the cornerstone, right? Mm -hmm. Like, knowing everyone's schedules, like being like, Hey, how was your, like, how was basketball that we just signed you up for? Like really knowing what's involved in their lives, sharing too, like sharing what's been going on for me. Like, this is what's happening. You know, Hey guys, I was just on the today show. Check out the video. Like they feel like they're a part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, when you're traveling, like keeping them just not just being away, but like being present, even when you're apart, I think is the key. Yeah, I think that's really important. I mean, thankfully, we have, like, FaceTime now, right? Like, what do people do before? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> they sent letters or something? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what those are. Um, well, so you have traveled all over. Um, how has that influenced you as a chef? Oh, in so many ways. So, I mean, for starters, when people ask me what kind of food is in my cookbook, I kind of refer to it as global flexible cuisine, because I've got recipes influenced from Israel and the Middle East and sort of that whole Mediterranean flair. And then I have um, Filipino recipes from my travels to, you know, islands. And I've got some Vietnamese recipes from cooking schools that I went to in like little islands in Vietnam. 
Vietnam and of course Japanese flavors. We spend a lot of time in Tokyo. So, um, you know, some, some have this like riceless sushi, um, concoction. Um, what else? I mean, I don't really go to Mexico, but I do have a Mexican salad. Um, we like Mexican food, but yeah, so so completely influenced, and I love the the kind of blending of all of those flavors, right? Because how often have you gone away somewhere exotic and you taste this delicious dish, then you go home and you like can't find it anywhere, and you don't know how to mix it with like, you know, you're making one thing at home, but you don't know how to kind of combine it with that thing that you can get here. So I love the idea of mixing things. So like I do a Mediterranean tahini, you know, with, um, like an Asian dish or something like an Asian spring roll with a tahini. So things like that, that I think make food really fun. Mm -hmm. So of all the places you've been, do you have a favorite, like a favorite city with their, in terms of food? Ooh, I don't know. I mean, I I love, I'm, I'm a big sushi and uh, Japanese mm-hmm. person. So I think probably Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love like the simplicity and the balance of portions that are not like overly nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, we were just in Austin and boy, that is such a fun food city. Oh yeah, it is. So um, we had some good margaritas and guacamole in Austin. So I can't complain about that either. Well, I'm curious, like, I mean, you brought up the portions in Japan. I'm curious from all your Mm -hmm. travels, like, what differences you notice in terms of, like, from food quality to the way they eat. How is that different from here in America? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, for starters, portion sizes are just, like, so nutty. It's so funny when we come here um, versus, like, Hong Kong, for example. And you look at a muffin size that they sell in Starbucks in Hong Kong Mm -hmm. versus a muffin size that they sell at Starbucks in the U.S. I mean, we just, like, get such a kick out of it because no wonder Americans are fat because (laughs) we're just, we eat, like, it's not our fault. Like, like, it's just, you know, they serve you a salad and it's the size of the salad for the table. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's the huge um, certainly quality, you know, depending on where you are, um, the, you know, the freshness, like in Israel, the produce is just so gorgeous and everything, you know, tomato tastes like, you know, a candy and mm-hmm. a cucumber has flavor. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, in the U S though, you can get everything at any season. It's, it's, it's amazing, right? Like in Israel, for example, you know, cauliflower goes out of season, which is my saddest month. Cause like <laughs> I want cauliflower every day, but you know, here you can get purple and orange and pink and blue and whatever other color of cauliflower any time of year. So it's a really amazing thing. The, the availability of things here is, is great. So I think, you know, being on the road somewhere else, you just, you have to work more with local ingredients. You have to work more with availability, things like that. Yeah. Well, and what about like the way they eat? I feel like other countries, it's so like the mealtime practices are so different, just like, and also the way they live their lives. Like here we sit down, gobble down a meal and then run out the door. And I feel like it's Mm -hmm. not like that in other countries. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, I guess it just depends on where and what and the culture. Um, you know, like I'm Jewish and we, um, so Jews around the world all sit together on a Friday night and have dinner. Right. Um, so some of it's cultural like that. Um, 
you know, in a lot of places you can't go to the store and pick up anything prepared, right? Like you have to make it on your own. So the process of having to have having to make your own sauces and cook your own meals. And then, um, and obviously, you know, you're not running out to do takeout or restaurants. So you are sitting down to a meal. Mm -hmm. Um, some people don't have TVs, so they're like not watching in front of the TV. Yeah. Yeah, um, Hong talk. Kong, Hong Kong people are, you know, family is a big thing, but you know, the world is westernizing like more quickly mm-hmm. than we want it to. Um, so it's, you know, the, the gap is being, is being bridged a bit. Yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> um, but yeah, I feel like in other countries, it's like more about the socialization and, people are walking around a lot all day mm-hmm. um, and like the portions are smaller, but the food's higher quality and it's not just about shoving as much as you can into your mouth. It's more about like, mm-hmm. the social experience and like family time and friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, you must have also tried quite a few interesting foods being like going to so many different places. Is there anything in particular that, um, it's kind of weird or interesting that you've tried. So I am like kind of a boring eater. This is like when people <laughs> say like, what's a fun fact about you? I'm like, well, oh, cause they'll say a thing like you're such a foodie. And I'm like, well, I'm kind of not actually like I love food and I love the adventure of food. But when it comes to what I eat, I'm like so boring and simple. I'm also very, um, I mean, strict is the wrong word, but I'm very, conscious of what I consume. Um, and so like, give me a kale salad and some grilled salmon and, you know, some dark chocolate and a glass of wine and I'm happy. So I'm like so simple. Um, and I also don't eat a lot of like shellfish and like crazy meats and stuff. So I don't have any like really exciting exotic food ventures that I could tell you. Like I once ate the tongue of a whatever. (laughs) Um, no, Okay. Well, have you always been very health conscious? Did you grow up? I have been. I did since like way too early. Since I was very, very young, I really was conscious about food. And in in back then, it was more unhealthy than it is today. Mm -hmm. Um, today I feed my body because I love it. And back then, I starved it because I hated it. Um, those of you listening um, who have either have daughters or have food issues yourself will will understand. Um, but yeah, health and like all of that was, was, I mean, since I was, I want to say 11 or something, it was, it was important for me. And I always studied and read and learned and took nutrition classes and, um, was always very curious. Was that something that like, like your family was health conscious or was that things you saw in the media that made you want to? Yeah, well, let's see when I was 11, I don't even know if there was media like that. Mm-hmm. In the same way that our girls um, ha- uh, have it in front of them, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, my mom was health conscious in her own way back in the, you know, 80s. Not to date myself because I'm <laughs> turning 42, but I still think I'm 22. So, <laughs> it's just a um, but yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, like I mean, she, I would come home from school and she'd have. Um, remember at the time, like what's good for you was different. We we thought different things then. Yeah. So she used to bake the 
this like beautiful whole grain bread with like sunflower seeds and all sorts of crunchy things inside. Um, she probably even shredded some zucchini in that bread. It just like I could still taste how healthy that felt mm. when I was little. And she'd have this big homemade chunky vegetable soup. And um, I don't know why that bread and vegetable soup sticks with me, but I used to come home from school to that. Probably not as often as I remember, but. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like she was, you know, when my kids were, you know, kids my age were coming home to like white bread sandwiches and like some sort of spread from the pantry, I was eating whole grain bread and soup. So for sure my mom was ahead of her time. And, um, look, my mom, it's so funny what we like, how we evolve based on how we grew up, right? Like my mom was always self-conscious and self-conscious. She was always self-conscious. That was a funny slip. Um, and so, yeah, you know, she was, she was on diets and this and that, like, and like, I guess like any other woman. Um, so I picked up a lot of things from my family for sure. Yeah. Well, I would love to talk a little bit more about kind of your history, like with the restrictive dieting when you're younger. Cause I know that's something we talk about a lot on this show and a lot of people listening can relate. Um, mm-hmm. so kind of, can you walk me through like, when did that start? And like, what were kind of some of the things you did when you were younger? Yeah, sure. Um, so I went on my first diet when I was 11, um, between the ages of like 11 and like maybe 16 or something. Mm -hmm. I did crazy things like only ate carrots for a month or I once, I once only ate these little saltine crackers for a month thinking that was like good for me or whatever from a calorie counting standpoint. Um, later on I, um, I was like starting to get into the fitness industry and was teaching starting from when I was like 17 or so. And so, um, you know, that was like the phase of detox diets and juice cleanses. And when I started teaching yoga, juice cleanses, I mean, I, don't know if a lot of people are still still think those are great for you, but um, please think, don't think I that. I think some people <laughs> do. I think it's like split. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all my yoga teacher friends were doing it, so we all you know went on the master cleanse and the green juice diet and the I don't even remember that other stuff that we like that we drank until our poo turned purple or what. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but like whatever. Um, and that was like the healthy, right. That was like touted by nutritionists is like, you're cleansing your body. Mm-hmm. But I think, um, what happens when you go on some of those quote, healthy restrictive diets, there's a, um, there's an unhealthy thing that happens with your relationship with food. And I saw this not only in myself, um, but so, I mean, I, and I saw this later when I was seeing my peers, um, thinking that this was good for them is you develop a really unhealthy relationship so much that you don't want to eat again. And that's really bad. Like, you know, Oh, thanks. I'm good. I'm just going to have a juice for a meal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you're scared of eating, right? Because what happens when you start to eat is you gain the weight that you just lost. And that's why these things don't work because they're temporary. Um, and so, you know, I, I came to a place, um, you know, towards, I guess, um, well, certainly by the time I was 20 or so when like I started to figure out what worked for me. I talk a lot about using your life as a laboratory to conduct your own experiments because a book can't tell you how, what to eat and how to be, and only, you know, yourself and everyone's different. Mm -hmm. And so I came to a place where I 
began to understand what foods were good for me, what didn't serve me, how, you know, should I eat meat? Shouldn't I eat meat? How does it feel after? All these questions um, became clear because I figured it out in my own life. I would say, well, you know, how do I, you know, the next day after whatever, after a big splurge, when my belly was double the size, I was like, oh, this doesn't feel so good. Maybe I overindulged last night. Okay. And then you figure out, well, how many cookies can I eat before I start to feel that? Oh, okay. That was too many cookies, right? Mm -hmm. So during that time from like when you're 11 to, I don't know, let's say 16, does, was anyone around you like concerned or saying anything? It's such a good question. I know one's ever asked me that question and I've talked about this a lot. You know, I think that um, it's really easy to hide your, um, like when you only eat carrots, mm -hmm. you know that it's, that it's unhealthy. Like, you know, your brain is unhealthy, right? Mm -hmm. you like, and so you do things. And again, I, I haven't thought about this in 30 years, but you do things to kind of mask the idea that something's wrong, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Hey, mom, if you're listening, just kidding. She doesn't listen to my podcast. <laughs> but I don't know that she knew. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think you could do a really good job at hiding the stuff that you think is not good for you. And if you think of addiction, it's the same thing, right? Like how easy it is to pretend to other people that everything's fine when it's not. Um, yeah. So like I never got like sense to a like, like if I found out that my daughter was only eating carrots, she also doesn't listen to my podcast. So <laughs> please don't be listening to this, but don't eat carrots only. Um, if I found out that, um, you know, I'd like, there's intervention, right? Yeah. Like it's, um, so yeah, I don't think they knew. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's a really important point to bring up just so that people are more aware of like how it is really easy for people to kind of hide that um and a lot mm -hmm. of times we think we know what's going on with our family members our friends and we're like no there's no way they could be you know hiding that but it happens all the time you know mm -hmm. um did, were your friends like doing the same sort of things that's cool not that i know of no okay. not that i know of the other interesting thing too it's like if you um I've never talked about this like in such detail before, but if Please you do. are like, let's say you're, um, you know, if you're anorexic, for example, on the extreme, which I wasn't, mm -hmm. um, it's obvious because you know, you look sick, right? Mm -hmm. I sort of yo-yoed, right? So I would like, and this is a lot of my current day philosophy, which came, you know, decades later, um, which is like this anti, um, you know, this like, uh, restrictive, thing or overly indulgent thing. It's like, how do we find that midline? It's because like, it, it just doesn't work. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I used to like only eat carrots until my willpower caved and I got starving. And then I would eat every cookie in the freezer. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I looked like normal, maybe even mm -hmm. a couple pounds overweight type mm -hmm. of thing, you know, because I was kind of bouncing. The willpower thing is huge, right? Because I'm um, jumping ahead a little bit, but we know that we have a limited amount of willpower. And when we exhaust it to the point of fatigue, we just can't control ourselves anymore. Yeah. And the key to, again, I'm jumping, but the key to sort of balanced, healthy living is to find that place in the middle 
right? Where you can splurge just enough and never exhaust your willpower um, and lead a normal, happy, delicious life. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the whole binge restrict cycle that I think so many people mm-hmm. find themselves in. Um, yeah. And it can be difficult to to get out of. But I mean, yeah. And that's what else I was going to ask you. Like, how did you feel physically and emotionally during that whole time period when you're doing those different diets? Well, first of all, you're starving. Let's yeah. just like there's no that you're just hungry all the time. And it's no fun because you can't like go out with friends and eat anything because you're not eating um, or whatever you're eating isn't anything that's being served on the menu. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, like what we're talking about isn't just for extreme situations of people that had, I would label it an eating disorder. Um, but it's also like if you're on some sort of, you know, whatever your thing is, whether you're, you know, keto for the month or shmito or whatever the latest thing, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not bashing it. But the point is a little bit because like we go on these diets because we're, we're told that they're good for us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I'll be out with a friend and, you know, she can't eat anything and it's no fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, like I'm, I'm being extreme here because there are ways to, you know, if you, if you find that, you know, let's say being on a keto diet is something that gives you remarkable energy and you're ecstatic and your life is amazing. Well, then you go girl. Mm-hmm. But if it's something that causes you stress, you think you're supposed to do to restrict yourself to lose 10 pounds. And then once you get married, you'll be fine. And then you'll move on to eating burgers again. Well, then just know that your willpower will get exhausted and then you'll cave, right? Yeah. Well, I think keto is a, a really good example, actually, because like, it can be used in so many different ways. You know, for some people, it really transforms their health and, you know, there are medical uses for it. And exactly. Some people, some people do find a better sense of balance with it. If you, yes. And even with keto, like people don't, there's this misconception, like if you eat keto, you can never eat carbs. That's not true. Like being ketosis, right. you can still have carbs depending on what else is going mm-hmm. on with your body and age and activity, all of that. But mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, like you said, use it as use it as a fad or use it as an excuse to just eat less. Um, and or as with, a fix. Yeah, right? exactly. Or yeah. Like with any diet, like people will do that with veganism or really anything. They, It's easier to like have an excuse to eat less food or restrict in some way if you have a label like, oh, I don't mm-hmm. eat that. Um, right. And so people often hide behind those labels, I think. Yeah, right. And like we said, if it's something – that you feel ecstatic with, it's serving your life. You don't, you don't, you know, you're not feeling deprived. You're feeling totally in your center, then fantastic, right? If it's something that's causing you stress, Mm -hmm. then it could be time to reevaluate. Yeah, 100%. And also like honoring that it might work, you might feel great for a bit, but then if it doesn't, it's okay to change. Exactly. I'm going to take a brief break to tell you guys about today's podcast sponsor, Blue Blocks. Neely talked a bit about her experience traveling, and with travel comes a lot of jet lag, switching time zones, and it's really important to stay on top of your circadian rhythm, and wearing blue blockers can really, really help with that, which is why that's one of the most important things I always pack when I travel, but in my everyday life, I really honestly think that everyone should be using blue light blocking glasses because it is totally transformative for your sleep, for your mood, for your hormonal balance, for your hunger signals. It's such a simple way to support your overall health. And if you struggle with migraines, headaches, digital eye strain, insomnia, trouble staying 
or falling asleep, low energy during the day, then these are definitely a must-have for you. I started wearing blue light blocking glasses a few years ago and definitely noticed a big improvement, but I didn't realize how much I was missing out on until I tried blue blocks because now that I've used the blue blocks, I realized that all of the brands I was using before were not getting me the maximum benefits. I feel completely different now. I have noticed a huge difference when I stick to the blue blocks, blue light blocking glasses because their red lenses are scientifically backed. They test their lenses to make sure that they block the exact blue and green light frequencies that are throwing off our circadian rhythms and disrupting our hormones. Maybe you're eating a squeaky clean diet and you are taking all the supplements and you're still not feeling great. This is something that you need to look into. Blue Blocks has three specific lenses. Their Sleep Plus Red Lens is the only true 100% blue and green light blocking lens out there. This is made for after sunset use, so put these on when the sun goes down, and these will help to improve your sleep, reduce anxiety, and just relax you. And then during the daytime, they have the blue light clear lens, which is a clear lens that's best for people who work in more natural lighting during the day, and this will help prevent any migraines, headaches, macular degeneration, digital eye strain, or there's the summer glow yellow lens, which is Blue light blocking meets color therapy, and this is best for people who work under intense artificial lighting during the day and or struggle with seasonal depression. And of course, there is the Remedy Sleep Mask, which has totally changed my life. This is a 100% light blocking sleep mask that really helps to increase REM and deep sleep. Blue Blocks offers a huge selection of frames, over 20 with a ton of different styles, so you'll definitely find ones that you love. I always get compliments on mine, and you can also send in your own frames if you would like to do that. They also have a custom-made prescription service if you need prescription glasses. And since it's the season of giving, another great reason to purchase a pair of Blue Blocks is because for every pair of Blue Blocks they sell, they donate a pair of reading glasses to Restoring Vision who gifts those reading glasses to someone in need. And if you want to learn more about the science behind this, definitely listen to episode 230 with Blue Blocks founder, Andy Mant. To get your pair of Blue Blocks blue light blocking glasses, just go to blueblocks.com. That's B-L-U-B-L-O-X.com. And you can use my code wellness, W-E-L-L-N-E-S-S for 15% off. Again, blueblocks.com, B-L-U-B-L-O-X, and my code wellness will get you 15% off. But I'm going to give you an insider tip because Black Friday is coming up and Blue Blocks is actually offering this sale ahead of time. So from November 23rd through December 2nd, you can get 25% off. This is a huge sale. Just use the code BF2019. So if you get your glasses and your sleep mask between the 23rd of November and December 2nd, 2019, then use that code BF2019 to get that 25% off on Black Friday. I've got my blue light blocking glasses on right now, and I feel amazing. All right, let's go ahead and hop back into this chat with Neely Fisher. So, I mean, getting out of that cycle that you were in when you were younger, how, how did you finally reach that place? Because I am assuming that also came with you learning to like love your body in a new way you mm-hmm. have to like finally get some more like self-love body love to get out of that cycle mm-hmm. 
yes. I think it's a combination of time and maturity. Mm -hmm. And also, like I said, like having used my life as a laboratory to figure it out for myself, you know, because, you know, people, let's say who are struggling with their weight, it's one thing to say, you know, I've come to terms with the fact that I'm overweight and I love myself. That's one thing. And I, I, I did not love myself. I don't know if I would have Mm -hmm. because I knew that I could be in better physical shape. And by the way, it's not just about how you look. It's about how you present yourself to the world. Mm -hmm. It's the confidence that you have when you feel good in your own skin, when you fit into like a pair of pants that feels where you feel beautiful. It's a feeling. It's not, it's not some outward image thing, right? But when you get to that place, um, so I, well, I should back up for a second. When, when I figured that equation out for myself and arrived at a place where I was at my, in my best body that I knew I deserved and I knew how to figure out that, that equation, right? How much do I exercise? Like, what are my daily habits? Like, how do they serve me? That's when the transformation happened. But it also happened when I started practicing yoga Mm. and found um, a deeper place inside of myself that had wisdom that I never tapped into. Um, and when we can find a quieter place with a community of people, not just the ones that were just detoxing at the time, but, you know, with a community of people that um, were um, also kind of like moving towards a healthy mindset, um, that's when that shift happened. Yeah, well, I would love to talk more about your journey with yoga. What brought you to yoga initially? So I started practicing yoga um, when I was pregnant with my oldest son, close to 19 years ago. And I was that person in the room that couldn't touch my toes. And I'm kind of competitive, like a type A personality. And it looked like a kind of a cool thing to do. I don't know. I mean, obviously, hold on, let's just, let's just back up. I was pregnant. That's why I couldn't touch my toes. But <laughs> Later Fair on enough. after the pregnancy, I also couldn't touch my toes. Um, and you know, that's when I sort of wanted to do all the cool stuff. Um, the yoga in pregnancy was great because it helped me connect with, you know, community of women and uh, breathing and, uh, you know, my body felt amazing and the kinks went away and my back and all that kind of stuff. After that, I went back to a regular practice and everyone was doing these crazy things that I wanted to do too. And it was mostly like, this was so cool. Like I, I, I can totally do this. It was, it was really a challenge. I like danced a little and did some gymnastics as a kid, but I totally did not have that body. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, when I was 22 and so I, I, it was like a challenge for me. I found a yoga teacher in Hong Kong when we moved there who was majorly inspiring and a real mentor for me. And the practice became this sanctuary in this busy city. All my best friends were in my class and my mat next to me. And it was just this like community of amazingness. And then, um, one day I, uh, I was like sort of, I don't know. I don't, I think I was flirting with the idea of being a teacher, but I was out for dinner with my amazing husband. And he's like, you should go to India and go learn how to be a yoga teacher. And I'm like, what? I have a newborn. I had a, not a newborn. I had an eight month old at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, no, no, you should like, that's where you go to learn how to be a yoga teacher. You should totally go to India. And I'm like, really though? Like, are you sure? 
And so I researched it and I like got recommendations from all my teachers. It turned out there was this Australian teacher that was doing a six week program in India. Um, so it was this like Western accredited, but you got the whole Indian vibe and we had lots of local, um, you know, specialty teachers that would come in. Um, I lived in a tent for six weeks, um, left my family at home in India. I like got really sick and lost. I don't even know, like so many pounds. I was like so skinny and sick, but I was so happy because I was doing what I loved. Um, wow. I could go on about this story, but yeah, the, the, no, I, I became like a yoga story. teacher. I, I, I want all the details about this story. Wait, what do you, what were you sick with or like, did you, how did you get better? Oh, you know, you know what? We, we have to be, well, I don't know if this is probably not news to anyone listening, but you have to be very, very careful in certain areas when you travel specifically India, you're not supposed to have any, um, like water that's not bottled. You can't mm. even brush your teeth with the water. I thought it was because being careful, but you just never know, mm-hmm. you know, it could have been some raw cucumber that they said was why who knows. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was intense. Wow. And you still did the yoga teacher training. Well, yeah. And there were like times when I couldn't leave my room and, um, there was a final exam that I was like so sick for that my teacher actually came to my room and gave me the exam, um, like when I was in my bed, I was oh like, God. I'm not going home. I'm going to finish this thing. Oh my God. You're such a trooper. <laughs> That's crazy. It's called grit, baby. Oh my God. Seriously. Well, okay, wait, I need to back up for a second. I think it's so cool <laughs> that your husband like put that out there for you. Yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't think I would have done it if he, well, I maybe would later on, but not at that time. That's amazing. Wait, how did you guys meet? <laughs> okay. You and I are going to be best friends after this. You're going to know everything about my life. And yeah, then you're going to have to tell me everything about yours. <laughs> um, it's a really long story. But um, we um, he knocked on my door one day out of the blue because I was friends with his sister. Um, sort of after a couple hours, asked me out. Fast forward uh, fast forward a couple years. We, we went on a date, but then he, we were living in different countries. And um, fast forward a couple of years, we physically bumped into each other, um, like around a corner, like in the movies where like you do a chest bump. Um, and it was like, oh, my God. Um, where? And then we reconnected. We were in Israel when we, when we, when we did the bump. Oh, my God. Um, That's crazy. Yeah. And then we reconnected. And then I came back to New York for school. So we started dating. And, and uh, that was the beginning of that. Wow, what a serendipity style story. Yeah. I love that. I love hearing how people met. Okay, so that was like out of a movie. And then you went to India and became a yoga teacher. And then after that, did you go into teaching full time or what did you do? I did, yeah. I mean, I was in between, had, you know, a couple of years in between kids. So Mm -hmm. um, teaching was a great flexible job, I would say. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, would go into the studio and teach, you know, whatever, not so, I wouldn't say it was hyper full time. It was probably, you know, 12 hours a week or something of classes, 15 hours a week of classes. Um, you know, took breaks during maternity. I, um, created a, uh, a program for pregnant women. When I was, I was started teaching a lot of prenatal yoga. I became like the pre and postnatal specialist. Um, when in, in at the time Hong Kong didn't really have anyone doing a sort of active form of, um, yoga that didn't, didn't treat pregnant women as, 
um, like victims or like poor, weak people. And I was like, no, you have a strong body and you're going to need it for labor. So let's get Mm -hmm. it moving. That was my philosophy. So I did a ton of that. Um, yeah, then went on to get, um, recertified in a higher form of yoga called Anusara at the time. It no longer exists anymore. I feel so old. Um, but it was like the Harvard of yoga at the time. So it was like a four year certification program and yeah, yoga has, um, has influenced a lot of my viewpoints on life. It's influenced a lot of my philosophy, about food. It's influenced my book. It's influenced my flexible chef world. Um, so it's been great. How has yoga, can you give me an example of how yoga has influenced your viewpoints on life? Yes. I mean, I can try to give you a specific example cause that's a huge question. Um, so I'll give you a specific example on how it's influenced, um, building my flexible chef brand. How's that? Sure. So, um, when I, when you think of the idea of flexibility, right? Like if you think of, uh, stretching, you think, oh, well that just requires a bend. But what happens is if you bend in yoga without proper strength in your body, without like, if you, let's say if you, if you try to touch your toes, right? Like everyone right now, like if you're standing, like try to touch your toes, but let your legs go really weak. Mm -hmm. Um, it's actually harder to touch the floor, but if you squeeze your muscles really tight, your quads all the way up to your hips, and then you try to bend and stretch through that strength, you actually go deeper, right? And it's, mm-hmm. it's like takes a lot of practice, but the whole key in yoga is this combination of strengths as a foundation for flexibility and, and alignment and like ways of moving your body without pain and aligning it in certain ways are the key to finding freedom. Because once you get the bones and all the things in track, then you can experiment and play. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the same thing, well, in our life, frankly, right? Mm-hmm. Once we get comfortable with the rules, once we learn and master them, we can then have the freedom to experiment and play. Let's go back to the beginning. It's the same thing with travel. Mm -hmm. If you can get the basics organized and you have a plan mapped out, that is your foundation. That's like your strength for being able to be free and not be stressed out when you're on the road because everything has been arranged. You have, you have a, you know, you, you, you kind of know the terrain. So you, you kind of have the confidence and the freedom to be like, okay, change a plan. I got this though, because I have these snacks in my bag. And therefore, even though the flight is delayed, you know, I, I'll, I won't starve because I thought ahead. Right. Mm-hmm. Whereas if, when you just wing it, when you just, you know, you go with the flow and you're missing some key elements then you could be frazzled. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I does. I think it's a really beautiful metaphor, honestly. Um, I think you could apply that to a lot of aspects of life, right? Well, think about cooking too, mm-hmm. right? Until you kind of understand the mechanics, until you master certain elements, some, some basics of cooking, right? You read through the recipe, you understand what it's trying to tell you. You try it a few times, you get comfortable, that's your strength. That's your foundation. Then you go, Oh, I see. Okay. Now I understand. Oh, I don't really need to add the cinnamon. That was just suggested. I don't have hemp seeds. I can omit them. But the first time you do it, you can't just like 
you can't just wing a banana bread without a recipe, (laughs) right? Yeah, true. Only when you've made banana bread a hundred times and you understand the ratio between the flour and the sugar and the eggs and the baking soda, then you're like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I don't have a measuring cup, but I think I got this. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, more and more in life, the freedom of living, of cooking, of anything you're doing, it comes from when you can master the rules, but then you can depart from them and break them for the best results. I I love that. That's why I think yoga is such an interesting practice because, I mean, I think you can pull lessons from, I guess, any form of exercise, but so much so with with yoga, it's kind of a philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that, in terms of yoga, is that your, um, like your main form of exercise or do you do other things as well? I do a lot of other things okay. as well. In fact, it's no longer my main form of exercise. Mm. Um, when, when I was teaching, I would practice like for hours a day. Um, and that's just like not sustainable. That's actually imbalanced. Yeah. Um, and so I started, well, I always did a lot of other things, but, um, I kind of, when I departed from like my crazy hours of yoga practice, um, I started running a couple of years ago, which I love. Um, sometimes my knees hurt, so I pause, but that's also about really listening to your body, not just doing an exercise cause you think you should, but you know, really knowing what's going to serve your body. Um, I do lots of like forms of toning, sort of think of it like a cross between, um, like a, like a sort of toning bar class and a yoga class where, Mm -hmm. um, I use light weights and I do lots of like high repetition stuff to kind of keep lean and long. Um, and, uh, I do like, I walk everywhere. Um, I like love, I mean, I love to, I love to move. So I do a lot of things. Yeah. It's good to switch it up. Um, which I feel like is also just the name of your game. You have so many options with, with your cooking, your book. Um, I want to talk about the flexible chef and like what, what inspired you to start the flexible chef? So I was, I was doing everything up until that point that we spoke about teaching yoga. And then I started, um, leading, um, kind of left my studio and started running my own programming. So I, um, ran retreats around Asia where I would bring some experts in. I would teach the yoga part. I worked with the chefs and we did cooking classes. So there were these integrative experiences. Um, then I started leading some wellness, um, kind of more comprehensive wellness, um, bigger workshops in the city, um, where we, again, we'd bring in some people and, and, and uh, food became more and more of a central aspect because at the time you couldn't even get a decent salad in Hong Kong. So like, like healthy, but like I, I say healthy, but like sneakily healthy in that like it tastes just as good as the unhealthy stuff, like yeah. good, yummy, delicious, healthy food was really not accessible. So, you know, you'd come to my events. It was the only place you'd get like, you know, just really good for you food, like gluten-free on a gluten-free carrot muffin. Like you couldn't even get one in the city at the time. So, mm-hmm. so, um, food was big and I, I, I used to teach these, um, DJ, like DJ in the dark, um, yoga classes, which I miss so much. It's like, I should fun. probably start those again. And so, um, I teach this like rock party dance, you know, yoga class and it would be followed by, you know, some red wine and like delicious bites. Um, and everyone's like, hey, what is this food? How do we get this recipe? And I was like, oh man, I got to do that cookbook. Like I've got to get this food thing back into it. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started 
a blog, The Flexible Chef, was, wasn't just about food, right? Because we talked about my flexible philosophy. So it was about how to be a flexible chef in your life. And I, I still, I mean, it's the same theme on my website today. I talk about marriage. I talk about family. I talk about fitness. I, of course, talk a lot about food. And, um, and so it was, you know, like a, you know, a wellness lifestyle blog. And I always knew I was going to write the book because, you know, and, and my book is, of course, a cookbook and there's 110 plus recipes, but it's really, it's, it's, it kind of secretly is my guide to how to become a flexible chef throughout the pages peppered through the intros and the stories and a bunch of the little sidebars and, um, throughout the inspiration is how can, how can you become more chef-like in your life? How can you master the rules and then break them for the best results? And how can you live this awesome life that you've dreamt of and, um, sit at home for a delicious meal in the process? Yeah. So what, what does it mean to you to be a flexible chef? That's also a great question. <laughs> You're full of good questions today. Um, look, to me, I've said it in a lot of different ways on this on this conversation so far, but to me, it means being masterful, being creative, being precise, aspiring for excellence, just like a chef. If you think of those are chef-like qualities, right? Aspiring for this greatness in our lives, not, not giving up when the going gets tough, really, really reaching for creating something amazing, whatever you're doing. If, if it's just a, you know, if it's just a chicken salad, like wanting that to be the best chicken, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Um, not cutting corners, but at the same time, applying what I call the secret ingredient, which is flexibility. Flexibility allows you to just soften a little around the edges. Yes, you've planned for it to be masterful and perfect, but guess what? Things happen. How am I going to adapt? I had this great plan for the meal, but something messed up. Okay, let's fix it. Here are the, here, like, here are the, here are the ways we can salvage those burnt edges. Um, and the same thing in life, right? Like I, you know, I planned a, um, a big dinner party one day, I would say about five years ago or something. And it was, everything was like meticulous. There were police cards and I, it was all serviced. It wasn't family style. So I had like portioned plates ready in the kitchen. Everything was dished. And my husband came home with nine extra dinner guests. I'm not <laughs> kidding you. I promise. And I was like, I freaked out, right? Because that was my chef-like quality, mm -hmm. you know, bleep, 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 bleep. What are you talking about? Because everything is meticulously planned, but then I had to get flexible because what was I going to do? Kick them out. Mm -hmm. like, that's what I wanted to do at the time, but, um, I didn't. And I got flexible and figured something out in the freezer and like, or whatever. And we squeezed some room and I made my husband not eat a thing or whatever. <laughs> um, no, but that's, that's the flexible. It's, it's learning how to deal with the stuff that comes your way which happens every day that we didn't plan, um, even though we had the best of intentions um, and how do we make the best of it and how can we um, create some me time and some downtime and how can we treat ourselves kindly, right? How do we like take care of ourselves in the process? Um, and it's kind of my formula for life. 
Yeah, so in terms of food, nutrition, what's your kind of philosophy with nutrition? Like, if people want your book, um, will they have gluten-free options on mm-hmm. there? Is it more, like, plant-based, or what's kind of your philosophy mm-hmm. with the book? So my book is called Food You Want for the Life You Crave. And so it's the kind of food that you want to eat to feel good and look good and have, you know, energy and um, but also not compromise on indulgences and deliciousness. So it covers everything from, you know, salads to veggies to mains and chicken and beef and everything in between desserts and drinks and the whole thing. Um, I take a healthified twist on almost everything. The recipes happen to be gluten-free because I am, not because I believe everyone needs to be. And I talk a lot about this in the book. Like if you'd rather substitute regular flour. I'm not judging you. Mm -hmm. Um, it happens to be gluten-free. And I think it's also really to make gluten-free food, not taste gluten-free. Like, so people that are not gluten-free would taste it and not be like, is that Mm gluten-free? Um, so I really wanted a book to, that would, that would like be just as amazing as the gluten stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I try to slash sugar when I can, although I do believe that if you're having a piece of chocolate cake once in a while, just have the piece of chocolate cake and like, don't worry about what kind of sugar is in there. So I do use regular sugar in the desserts. Um, but, um, there's a ton of like amazing vegetables. I sneak veggies into things like burgers. And so it's very veggie heavy. Um, and it's really just like, great, good, healthy food. I give, um, options to swap out everything. So the whole thing about the book is that I give you what I call flexible flips for every dish. So if you want to make the chicken dish vegetarian, you could use whatever I have options, you know, tofu or cauliflower, whatever. Um, and so the book is really designed. So whatever thing you're, we talked this is going back to our beginning, like whatever diet you're following or whatever meal plan you're into or whatever flavors are your preference, I give you options in every single dish to make it your own. Okay. I love that. Um, so I think that one of the biggest struggles people have with cooking, um, and with cookbooks in general is like the time people say, Mm -hmm. I don't have time for this. So what tips do you have for saving time in the kitchen? Mm -hmm. So that's my biggest thing too. It's partly why I wrote the book because I hated, you know, reading from top to bottom and being like, are you kidding me? I don't have seven hours and I can't find these ingredients and I'm not going on a wild goose chase. Um, more and more in my life that that is a theme. And I think everyone else can relate to that. Mm -hmm. Um, so so many things, first of all, these days, um, speaking of options in the U S right, we have, we bashed American food at the beginning unintentionally, (laughs) but America is amazing. And there's everything prepared in advance to help you. So, you know, anything from like buying a pre-prepped veggies to the pre-washed lettuce, um, to even cheating a little bit and buying the bought rotisserie chicken that can substitute in a dish that maybe is going to take a little too much time if you have to make it from scratch. So really cheating a little bit, uh, strategically to make your life easier in the kitchen is huge. I do it all the time. I do things like use boxed cake mixes and jazz them up with shredded zucchini and hemp seeds and all sorts of other goodies. I give all these strategies in the book. Mm -hmm. Um, I think also not following something, like not doing something that you don't have time for, being like being reasonable about when you plan your menus, not overly 
um, you know, not overly reaching for the stars and being like, I'm going to do a turkey midweek. Uh, yeah. Oops, that takes all day. Um, so really like being smart about menu planning and finding things that you have time for. Um, I'm a huge advocate for prepping in advance. So on the days that you do have time, double batch the soup, freeze the second batch. I make salad dressings at the beginning of the week and label them so they're ready in the fridge for the week. So a salad is only a toss away. Um, all of these things that allow for pre-preparation um, for later are huge. And I rely heavily on my pantry and my freezer for stuff um, yeah, like that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's cheating. I think it's just taking advantage of your resources, right? There you being, go. Being exactly. smart about it. Um, if you are on a time crunch, do you have a favorite go-to meal? Who do I? Time crunch. Oh, my God. My mercury levels are going to hate me for saying this <laughs> because I'm actually kind of careful about my tuna consumption. But honestly, mm-hmm. I'll chop up a tuna salad with um, – red onion, carrot, celery, some mustard. And I use a um, uh, tuna in olive oil, which Mm -hmm. has a ton of flavor, salt and pepper. Did I say mustard? I said mustard. (laughs) And um, sometimes a little bit of avocado. And I mash that all together on a bed of greens with like a, either a pesto vinaigrette or I have a my favorite dressing is this caper dressing I have in the book. I keep it in the fridge. So toss some greens with the caper dressing and top it with a tuna scoop. That's my go-to. <laughs> that sounds delicious. I, yeah, that's why I have That's why yeah. I have to be careful with mercury, by the way. So yeah. we have to be careful. That makes sense. Do you personally – so you eat gluten-free. Do you personally eat more like, um, I guess, like, I don't know, like chicken and turkey? Like do you lean a certain way in terms of proteins or – I don't. I try to. I, I didn't eat meat for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I started back um, when my seven year old was born exactly seven years ago. Um, so I, I try to mix it up between mm-hmm. all of those things. I eat it all and I, I do try to mix it up. Yeah. Just not get too much mercury, huh? I mean, I do exactly. <laughs> I'm very conscious of the mercury. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I think one other thing people struggle with is they think that food that is healthy is bland. Um, mm-hmm. So, do you have any favorite like spices, oils? Like, how do you how do you mm. jazz up some something healthy? First of all, healthy food is not bland. Yeah. Um, poorly prepared healthy food is horrible, just like poorly prepared any food is horrible. Yes. Um, so if you make it right, it's so I, 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 I like, um, I know you agree with me, but I hate that because it's not true. It just requires like some education and still and, and skill and maybe buying my cookbook. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, but you said, yeah. Um, but no, but healthy food it can be amazing. I do have a lot of fun little things I use. Um, you, first of all, they sell a ton of beautiful infused oils. Cause you asked about spices and oils. Love, love, love. I've been using a truffle oil lately. Mm-hmm. Um, like with scrambled eggs. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I have a shallot oil that I use in my salad dressings. You can also infuse your own oils if you are crazy and you have time, which I don't. So I don't, um, obviously, you know, relying on spices to create flavor is great. Um, I recently bought an air fryer that I am not convinced about, but it's an interesting idea. If you like fried food, 
I love um, air fryers. You're going to love yeah. it. Yeah. Do you like yours? Yeah, I love it. I think it's... You do? So, yeah, it gives such a good texture. Like, mm-hmm. it's just so delicious. Brussels sprouts in I, there. Yeah. Yum. <laughs> I think mine is just not big enough. So if you buy mm-hmm. a machine that's not big enough, it, like, doesn't make an, enough for my family. So uh, yeah. um, I've put, like, halloumi cheese in there, which was good. Yeah. I did some cauliflower, some chicken. Yeah, I'm still experimenting with it. Yeah. Um, but things like, you know, if you think about a salad, like most people get salad all wrong, right? It's all about the amazing dressing. It's all about how you blend it. It's all about how much you put on. So you don't douse it and you don't underdo it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite spice? Like, are you partial to a favorite spice? Like I know Hmm. I like to put turmeric on everything. Hmm. Um, I don't think so. For some reason, I use a lot of cumin. Mm. Um, my like Middle Eastern thing. Yeah. Um, I throw it in my tahini and spice, you know, with salmon or whatever. I think it just gives a tremendous amount of flavor. Um, I also so i I also infuse salts, which um, takes two seconds. I just put some, like my latest is I put some rosemary and some salt in a pestle and mortar. You could put it in the food processor or just kind of mix it up in a Ziploc bag and squish it around, mm-hmm. um, infuse salts and just like have it sitting on your counter. And it, it's just great. Um, Hmm. Yeah. That's I can't a good think of idea. anything else. No, well, that, that's perfect. I have not put <laughs> cumin in my tahini before, so I need to try that because that sounds mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and the like infusing your salts is such a good idea. Like that's so easy to do. Mm-hmm. I love it. Cool. Well, I think those are some awesome tips. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all of that with us. I know the listeners will appreciate it. So can you tell everyone where they can find your book and where they can get more from you? Absolutely. So my website is theflexiblechef.com. And I'm on Instagram at The Flexible Chef. Um, easiest way is my book is everywhere on both of those channels. On my website, it's up at the top. You can watch a little video trailer about the book and um, all sorts of other things. You can go on Amazon and just look up my name, Neely Fisher. And the book is called Food You Want for the Life You Crave. Perfect. Thank you again so much, Neely. I had so much fun chatting with you. Thank you so much. And now we're now we're best friends. We need to have coffee so I can learn about your life. We do. So maybe maybe next time I come to uh, your side of the world. <laughs> okay, awesome. Thank you so much to Neely for coming on the show. If you want more from her, just head to theflexiblechef.com and you can find her on Instagram at theflexiblechef. And make sure to check out her book, Food You Want for the Life You Crave. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with someone who you think would find it interesting and if you share it on social media then make sure you tag Neely at the Flexible Chef and tag me Christina Chris Wellness and tag Wellness Realness Podcast and that way I can say thank you. If you're not already in the podcast Facebook group just go ahead and search Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe on Facebook and you can join and connect with other listeners and talk about episodes or anything on your mind. It's an awesome place to be. And if you haven't already left a rating and a review on iTunes and you enjoy the show and want to show your support, go ahead and leave one of those. It only takes a minute. It's free to you. And it really helps me spread the word about the podcast. That's going to be it for today's episode. I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Enjoy your weekend. And I will chat with you again next time. Bye.